from Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. We're just going to read verse 7. And then we got some other scriptures throughout. So what it says. Now to each one... The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That's so applicable for this morning. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So we are back in our series on the Holy Spirit, on the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. We've taken a couple weeks off. And so if you've missed what we've been talking about in this series, I would really encourage you to go back and check those out because it's going to bring you up to speed. Uh, but I want to give you a quick synopsis of the things we've discussed regarding the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, and he is the third person of the Godhead, the triune God, the Trinity. We believe that God is one God who exists eternally in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in fact, when we say things like God is love, it's because God exists in perpetual relationship. In himself is community. And so we can say things like God is the essence of love. He, the Holy Spirit, is largely the most misunderstood person of the Godhead. In many churches and in many lives, the Holy Spirit is neglected. Some have referred to him as the forgotten God, ranked him third, kind of like the the distant cousin nobody wants to talk about, you know. One person said he is the God nobody writes about. He is the most elusive and difficult of all themes in Christian theology. Yet the Holy Spirit is the most active person of the Godhead in our lives. When we talk about God in us, when we talk about God moving in a place, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And like Jesus, he is Emmanuel. He's the one who stoops down to our level, who stays with us, who speaks to us and brings us salvation. The Holy Spirit is the wind of God. He's the the power of God. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God. He's the life. Without the Spirit of God, there is no life. It is the Holy Spirit who renews us and regenerates us. We talked about this a few weeks back. Gives us the grace to see our sin and see Jesus. He's the one who created us and can recreate us. He convicts. He restores. He assures when you, when you feel God assuring you and giving you comfort, it's the Spirit of God. When you feel God's nearness, when you say that God is close, when some people say, I got a witness, or I just, oh, I just sense that's the Spirit of God we're talking about. Last, last time we were in this series, we looked at how the Spirit of God filling us empowers us to be the community of God and do the work of God. And as a Pentecostal church, We place more emphasis onto this theology than many other denominations do, um, that at Pentecost, the Spirit enabled the believers to be a witness for Jesus. So you have to think about this, that in the mind of the Holy Spirit is mission. In the mind of the Holy Spirit is, is sending the body to do the work of God. That's why we in churches often say that the body is the hands and feet. We've been sent by God. Anything short, some have said, and I would agree, of a spirit-filled life is less than God's plan for followers of Jesus. And so if I could encourage you 
through anything, through this series that we're on and we're talking about anything we teach and apply, it's be a person who learns more about the Holy Spirit, who recognizes the Spirit at work, who's on pursuit of being filled with the Spirit and walks by the Spirit. And if in 2021 and all that's happening right now in our nation and in our province in Ontario, COVID restrictions, lockdowns, in and out of lockdowns, hopefully we're kind of done. Um, Government control, censorship bills, if you're unfamiliar, educate yourself. Criminalizing any behavior outside the narrative that certain powers are seeking to establish, we need the spirit, and we need to be people of the spirit. We will not be able to hold fast to our witness for Jesus stand for our faith, have an impact. In fact, we might lose our faith, we might backslide, and at worst, we might, we might leave our world with an impression of Jesus that is not biblical unless we are led by the Spirit. Amen. And so, we can laugh, it's okay. Church can be funny. And so the question for us today, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna run with it, is what does it mean to be spirit-filled as an individual and as a community? What does that look like? What are the markers? And what is the evidence that the spirit is alive in us? So would you bow your heads and let's, uh, let's get into it. Heavenly Father, we just commit our mind and our spirit and our heart to you. And as we look to your word and as we look to you, spirit, speak to us and lead us and transform us and do a renewal work in this community, God, both the ones that are here and online, this church, Parkway Church people, do a renewal. Make us come alive in you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, I came across this video this past week of a, a man named Cody Lee. Cody Lee was a contestant on America's Got Talent. And he shows up on the scene, um, led by his mother to the star where the contestants would stand as they're about to perform or do whatever it is, their, their talent, give their talent. And he was led to the star by his mother, and he was gripping his mother's hand. And in his other hand was a white cane, which is a walking stick for a blind person. See, Cody was blind. And not only was Cody blind, but he was autistic. And, and lower on the spectrum, autism is a spectrum, he'd be lower functioning on the spectrum, at least it appears to be that way. And so his mother had the mic in his hand, in, in her hand, and she began to tell the judges in the audience a little bit about, about Cody, that they discovered early on that he had a real passion and love for music, that whenever music was playing, his eyes would lighten up. In fact, they could never find something that really kinda aligned him with life until music came into his life. And so the judges looked at this, this 22-year-old man and said, what are you going to do for us, Cody? And he says, I'm going to play a song for you on the piano. And then he's led by his mother over to what appeared to be a little baby grand piano. She sits him down on the chair and whispers something in his ear, and you can't tell what she whispers. And then he begins to play. And it is nothing, I kid you not, look it up later, Google it, nothing short of majestic, like absolutely amazing beautiful. It makes those of you that are criers, are you crier? Anybody criers? Like you just tear up? You tear up, right? I was kind of getting a little emotional. I'm not a crier. So when I get emotional, you know it's emotional. It's, it's one of those things. It was amazing and it was evident that he was gifted. 
Now, it turns out that he is a musical savant, that he has an auditory um, photographic memory. He can hear a song and play it on almost any instrument instantly. And there's less than 25 people like him in the entire world. It's evident that he is gifted. You hear him and you're moved. And in the same vein, God has gifted the church with supernatural manifestations of the spirit that when used, does something in the community around them. Manifestation's a fancy word that, that we don't often use in regular, regular day life, right? But it just makes, basically means clearly show. God has gifted his church with ways in which the spirit clearly shows in order to serve and build up others. And so if you're listening today in the room or online and you are an apprentice of Jesus, you are, you are a person who believes in Jesus, you've recognized that you're a sinner in need of salvation, so you've accepted the forgiveness of Jesus and you've dedicated your life to following after him, the Bible tells us that the spirit is in you and he has graced you with a gift that is to be used for his glory and his kingdom. Let me read you some scriptures. Romans chapter 12, verse six, maybe on the screen. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse four to six. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in them all and everyone is the same God at work. Ephesians chapter 4, 11, 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith, meaning that it's progress. Unity is, is, is something we need to be pursuing towards. And in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, meaning we are works in progress. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, key verse was verse seven. We're gonna read all the way to 11. Paul said this to the church. He said, now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one there's given through the spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So what does this all plainly mean, right? This is what it means. We each have gifts. They are different from each other. They are unique, and they've been given to us by the Holy Spirit, and they're given to us for the common good, meaning they, they are there to build up others for serving and maturing. And these gifts, and this is key, are manifestations of the Spirit. I love that. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. They are the evidence of a Spirit-filled church. So what does it mean to be Spirit-filled as an individual, as a community? What does it look like? What are the markers? Is that each of us are using our gifts to build each other up. That's the marker of a spirit-filled community is each of us are using our gifts to build each other up, not down, not to tear each other down, but to build each other up. 
How do we know that I'm living a spirit-filled life? So a couple weeks ago, we talked about how the spirit of God was there to glorify Jesus. So as we know the spirit is at work in us, as, as Jesus is becoming more alive in us, there's less of us and more of him. And following that is the spirit manifesting himself through me. I'm gonna talk a little bit about what that means, okay? Don't worry about it, we'll, we'll catch up. As I use what he's given me to serve the faith community, is the spirit manifesting himself through me as I use what he's given me to serve others. Not myself, not just me, but others. The working and presence of the Holy Spirit in a person and in the church is the gifts. Sounds like a really long intro, but it's, it's foundational. Now this part is key, okay? If we, we're gonna launch from this point is that the spirit-filled life is not individualistic. It's not individualistic. We live in a very individualistic society. We keep to ourselves, right? We, we don't share meals often. I mean, whatever, COVID, whatever. Pretend that's not there. Even in a pre-COVID world, we don't share meals often together. We, we don't share possessions. We're very individualistic, right? We maybe have our friendships here or there. But the gifts that God gives the manifestations of the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit in the individual, while it's personal, it infuses us into a community. Meaning when you believed and the Spirit came and took residence into your life, you were incorporated into a community. So no longer is it just there for you. It's not just you, it's about the community. It's about others. And with the exception of maybe um, the gift of tongues as a prayer language, when you look at the, with the New Testament in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 14, Ephesians 4, the biblical authors, they treat the manifestation of the Spirit in the context of the church. It's for the whole. It's for the whole. It's not Christmas morning. It's not just for you, it's for the whole. So a couple weeks ago, it's Father's Day, and Jody asked me, Hey, what, is there something you would like for Father's Day? And so I asked if she could get me a couple of kids' fishing rods so I could take the kids fishing. So Father's Day morning comes, and, you know, they bring me breakfast in bed, and they got me all these gifts, and my kids are, like, shaking with excitement. Not because they're celebrating Dad, but because they know what Dad is getting. And they're, they're like pawing at these fishing rods. There's these little kids' fishing rods. They're like pawing at them as if to say, like, open it so I can have it. And so I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold up, hold up. It's Father's Day. These are mine. These are mine. And one of my sons looks at me and goes, we bought them for you for us. <laughs> and I thought as I was kind of prepping this message, I'm like, man, isn't that true of the gifts? that God has given you as an individual a unique manifestation of the Spirit for us. You have what you have, the manifestation of God in and through your life for us. I'm not talking about the organization. I'm talking about the community, the church. It's for the whole. It's for the whole. All of us have different gifts but they're for the whole, and that's why Paul speaks of the church as a type of body, right? Because we all need to function together. All those body parts need to work together. 
Within the body, each member is unique, yet there can never, there can never be a sense that those parts work separately. There can never be another you. You are unique. I just want you to know, if you're feeling like I'm not saying that you're unique, you are unique. We are all shaped differently. It's clear. It's very clear. Personality, background, experience, gift set, talents, ability. We are all shaped differently. There is never another you. You are the only one like you. But in the body, there's a sense that your gift is for us. If any of us is missing in the body, the body is incomplete. If any of us isn't using our gift, the body is incomplete. When you're not doing what God has gifted you to do, guess what? We're crippled. We're disabled. Isn't that, that's like harsh, right? That sounds really, like way to, way to put it on my shoulders, pastor, like thanks. It's, it's a hard truth, it's just the Bible truth though, right? You can read about it. I'm not going to go into extensively. That's what the Bible talks about. It says if one part of the body says the other part of the body, I don't need you, or because I'm not like you, I can't be used, we all suffer. And so I sometimes wonder, man, what would Parkway be like? Like This is for every church, but what would Parkway be like if the body fully functioned as it should? And you cannot look at me, and you cannot look at anyone on stage, and you can't look at anyone else and say, well, I'm not like them. Yeah, you're not, on purpose. Now, I'm gonna pick on some of you that are older than me. Well, it's, it's my time to step aside and let the younger know that is not Bible. We're all part of the body, uniquely shaped for the body, for the whole, and when we don't use our gifts to serve God, we all suffer. So in the Bible, um, I'm going to do some teaching. In the Bible, there's um, four or a few different gifts lists um, in the New Testament. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's two actually in 1 Corinthians um, in there, two different lists. Ephesians chapter 4. There's another one in Peter 4, I think it is, um, but it's kind of like regurgitated information. And in those lists, if you were just to kind of put them all in, there's around 29 gifts of the Spirit that the the Paul outlines there. Some are, are repeated in the different lists. Some are omitted from certain lists. Some are in every list, and some are only in one. And let me just read you some, and maybe something in this will resonate with you. Maybe something will spark your interest. But these are the, some of the gifts that are referenced in those lists. Prophecy. Serving. Teaching. Encouraging, or exhorting, you might read. Contributing, or giving. Leading, acts of mercy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith. It's like miraculous faith, right? Beyond measure faith. Healings, miracles, discerning spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, hospitality, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors, helping, administration. Those are all the gifts that are listed in the Spirit. Now, I'm not gonna go through them all and summarize them all. That's not today. I, um, I would encourage you to do so, but that's not today. But if we were le- reading um, these lists and we were reading these sections of Scripture, not in English, but in the original language, um, you wouldn't read the term spiritual gifts. You would come across two terms, and these are very important for us to understand how the Spirit moves in our church, okay? The first term you're gonna come across is charisma, or charismata. Charismata is the plural of charisma. 
Um, this word is used in Romans 12. It's used in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. And this is where we get our English word from when we're speaking of someone that has like that indefinable quality that attracts us to their personality, right? When we say, man, they just, they're charming. They got, they got charisma. They got something about them that we can't put our finger on, but it just draws us to them. And I would like to believe that in the same way, the Spirit of God works like that. That when there are charismata in the church, the Spirit draws um, himself or draws people to himself. A church that is filled with charismata, people are drawn to because it's full of the Spirit. A church that is full of charismata is a Spirit-filled church. Now, in that term, um, charismata or charisma, in the Greek language doesn't mean that thing in English. It doesn't mean the indefinable quality. It doesn't mean the thing we can't put our finger on that attracts us to the personality. This is what it means, a manifestation of grace. It means a manifestation of grace. Grace is something you get but didn't earn. So what that tells us is that the gifts of the Spirit aren't given to the gifted. And they're not there for the elite and you don't earn them. It's not a badge of honor. It's not something that once you reach a certain level of Christian, here's your gift. You've arrived. You've made it. Here's your promotion. That's not what this is. Charisma or charismata are manifestations of grace. It's the Spirit of God giving you grace, not because of anything you do or done, but because of who he is. And the Spirit of God has manifested his grace in the body, not because the body is great, but because he is a God who wants to build the body up. In fact, when you look at the church in Corinth, the, the church in Corinth, the Corinthian church, was a really messed up church. We sometimes really glorify the early church. Like we say things like, man, we gotta get back to how the early church was. Well, we do not wanna get back to how the church in Corinth was because they were messed up. They were filled with sexual immorality. There was incredible amounts of division. Some of them were getting drunk off communion. A lot of the little communion cups that we take, that would take a lot probably, I would think, but they would have meals, right? But they would get drunk off of breaking bread together. Some were lording their gifts over others. They were a, a very messed up church, and it shows us that gifts are not a sign given to character quality, right? This is a good church, so the Spirit of God comes along and says, I like what they're doing here, let me give them more. It's grace given, they're charismata, they're manifestations of grace. So what the Spirit does and the individual who opens themselves up to him is he graces them with supernatural manifestations, with gifts, with grace. You don't need to be charming. You don't need to have an attractive personality. You don't need to have seemingly gifted talents and abilities. If you look back at who I was when I was in grade school and high school, I was not a public communicator by any means. I was terrible at it. Absolutely terrible. I would get the worst grades in class, and I've told you this before. I knew this because my grade eight teacher would read out our marks out loud. And I was 10 points lower than everybody else in my class. But the manifestations of grace are not given because, oh, that person's really gifted in this area. Let me empower that gift. That could happen. But the manifestations of grace are given because God wills it and distributes as he wills. So you don't have to have arrived. You don't have to have the charming personality. You just need to open yourself up to the Spirit of God. Now, the second word you're gonna come across, and I think this is paramount. I think this is so important, and if I could just, you know, we can just teach this and we can go home. It's this word called pneumatica, or pneumaticos in the plural. This word is sprinkled throughout the New Testament. When you see 
Um, the word spiritual, that's probably pneumatica because it's often translated spiritual. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse one, where Paul says this, he says, now about the gifts of the spirit, I do not want you to be uninformed. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse one, I wanna read these because it's important. Paul says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy. Now I'm reading in the NIV, but when you see that term gifts of the spirit, it's the word pneumatica or pneumaticos. And that shouldn't be translated gifts of the spirit. Um, Gordon Fee, who's like a leading Pentecostal theologian um, in our world today, he makes a great case that it should be translated like this, spirituals, spiritual things, or spiritual people, or things the Spirit does. And I absolutely love that. These are the kinds of things that the Spirit does. These are the types of things that happen around spiritual people. This is what happens in spiritual places, prophecy, serving, tongues, healing, administration, believe it or not. This is how the Spirit moves among spiritual people, pneumaticos. And I love this because this doesn't lock us into a gift. See, often when we talk about spiritual gifts, we think of like superpowers, right? We think of superheroes. Like you've been gifted by the Spirit with this, and you, re you receive the Spirit, and so now you have this. And we're like, well, I got tongues. What do you got? I got, I got prophecy. Someone's like, I got helps. I don't, know. I don't get a supernatural one. Right, we, that's how we think, and that's one way to read this is, what gift did you get? But I think a better way to read this would be, this is what the Holy Spirit does in a spirit-filled community. These are spiritual things. This, these are spirituals, these are things of the Spirit. And so when we say that in churches, when we say the things of the Spirit, we say, let's, let's press into the Spirit, because we wanna see the Spirit move in our community for the building up of the community. Not just those with selected gifts to start activating those gifts and, and function that way, but, but spiritual things. So if you follow the Spirit and are led by Him and you open yourself up to Him, spiritual things happen. You'll pray for somebody and maybe you'll get a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. Something will come into your mind and, it, and you'll be like, how am I even thinking this thought? But you just share it and it's for that person. You'll pray for someone and you'll see healing. You pray for that this morning. Why? Because we believe when the Spirit is filled in a place that the spiritual things happen. You might have an incredible amount of faith beyond what a circumstance would call for. Someone looks at your circumstance and they're like, man, how are, you, how are you acting like this? Because the Spirit is moving through you, manifesting himself through you in faith. You might have wisdom for a moment. This is the kind of stuff, when we read these lists, that happen to a person who follows Jesus. This is the kind of stuff that Jesus did because Jesus was full of the Spirit. So if this word, pneumaticos, if this is what this means, that these are things the Spirit does, these are manifestations of the Spirit, then that tells us that all of this is available to all of us. Now, the Spirit distributes where he's, he wills. The Scriptures tell us that. But that's why Paul can say, eagerly desire the pneumaticos, eagerly desire the spiritual things, the things of the spirit, especially prophecy, because that one's really good for building up the body, he's thinking. Now to each one, 
The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So what do we know so far? Let me summarize it because we gotta lock this in. Number one, God has given, gifted the church with supernatural manifestations of the Spirit for the whole, right? It's for the building up of others. It's for serving others. This is for the community, not for me. God has blessed you uniquely for somebody else. Number two is these are charisma or manifestations of grace. I don't earn this. I don't deserve this. This is something God has just blessed us with. Number three is these are pneumaticos. These are spiritual things. These are things the Spirit does, and a church that is filled with the, with the Spirit will see these types of things. Serving, teaching, encouraging, contributing, leading, acts of mercy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, healings, miracles, discerning spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors, helping, administration. A, a spirit-filled church will see that activity. Now, what's interesting is the biblical authors didn't intend to provide a list that outlined all the gifts. The point is not that these are the gifts, period. These are how the spirit moves, done. No other way. These aren't conclusive, they aren't exhaustive. The point that Paul and, and what the authors are trying to make is this is just what the working of the spirit is like. So when I ask the question, what does a spirit-filled community look like? What does a spirit-filled individual look like? What are the markers? These kinds of things, Paul is saying. These are the manifestations of the spirit. You look and they don't categorize them. They put them all together. They put the dramatic ones with the not spectacular ones. Right? They put the supernatural ones, which we often think are the gifts of the spirit, with the not so supernatural looking ones. Right? They put things like prophecy next to service. And we sometimes elevate prophecy over service. They put, or he puts helping and administration right in between healings and tongues. Interesting, isn't it? Why does he do that? Because they're all important and they're all spiritual. So no one can claim lordship over somebody else. And no one can say that my gift isn't like that. How dare you, Jesus? Because he put it in there for a reason. They're all important. Not one is weightier than the next. They're all there to build up the body. So when we, when we see someone in the, in the room or we hear a prophetic word or we hear a tongue given, an interpretation of tongues, we shouldn't say, oh, finally the Holy Spirit is here. Because the Holy Spirit was active in the hospitality at the greeter at the door. Both are important. Both are important. Both are led by the Spirit. Both are manifestations of His grace, and both are needed for the building up of the body. In fact, in order for us to experience the greatest health of a church, some, some people will ask, how healthy is your church? We need every person who follows Jesus and has the Spirit of God in them. And if you follow Jesus and you believe in Jesus, the Spirit of God dwells within you. The Scripture said, we talked about that a few weeks ago. We need every person to use their gifts and abilities to serve the faith community. That's how we experience the greatest health. Not just when the one person who has the prophetic word speaks up. We're not a healthy church because one person does that. Now, they don't have to be gl glorious in, in heaven's partying. It doesn't have to be that. But we just need each person, however God's gifted you, 
to serve the body. That's the marker of a healthy church. That's a marker of a spirit-filled church. You know, when I order pizza, and I don't often get it delivered, I usually go pick it up, but I need all of my body in order to enjoy this pizza. Like, you need your ears to hear the doorbell ring right or the knock. You need your feet to carry you over there. You need your hands to take it, and thank goodness you have a mouth and a tongue to enjoy it. I need every part working. I can't experience the pizza without my whole body. In the same way as a church, we can't experience the greatest health that God has for this church, the moving of the Spirit, the manifestation of grace, the spiritual things without the body serving. You know, I have a, I think I've shared this before, I have a, a shoulder issue that reoccurs from time to time. And I don't really think about it until all of a sudden it starts to flare up and then I can't do things my other parts of my body can't do things that we could in the past. Like I can't lift my arm beyond a certain ability. I have a hard time looking over my shoulder to drive a car because of this ache. And so when that part isn't functioning as it should, the rest of my arm, the rest of my upper body suffers. Are you tracking with me a little bit? You're with me. Is the Spirit of God stirring something in you? And if you're feeling conviction, just so you know, that ain't me. Because I didn't say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot conviction at certain individuals today. That's how the Spirit of God works. I can't do that. It's not like a super soaker. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Some of these things just come to me. You know? <laughs> it's all good. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. I'm going to invite Ben. Why don't you come back up? So why don't we see these active like maybe we used to? or in the early church, or the way the Bible tells us, and what can we do about it? And I got a few couple points here for us, um, historically as well. The first is clerical, clericalization. So after the apostles died off, the church kind of moved away from a spirit-filled community where everyone contributed to a select few anointed people leading, like a, a bishop, or a priest, or a deacon. And we moved away from this community. We professionalized church. And, and if you look at the beginning of the Pentecostal movement, we talked about this a couple weeks back, 1900s, early 1900s, we kind of moved away from that as the Spirit began to move again. We started to see the gifts active and us contribute to the whole. But just so you know, um, that ain't gonna happen here. Clericalization, professionalizing church. Parkway doesn't operate that way, thank goodness. We have a whole group of people that have been doing great things and I, I so appreciate them. But... If we start to move towards that, I'll quit. My, my, my wife's probably like, what did you say? <laughs> because we can't do it. I can't do it alone. Jody and I can't do it alone. We can't. We won't be a healthy church. We won't see ministries happen. So many people called. Is this, you offer this at this church? Sure, you want to offer it? <laughs> yeah. Some of you know that. You, come, you know you come an idea with me. They're like, hey, I got this great idea. That sounds fantastic. What are you going to do about it? I want to do all these things, but I can't do everything. And the few of us can't do everything. We need the whole. Second reason is this, is centralization. So historically, the church moved towards an agreed-upon style. And if you look throughout you know, the decades, you see the style of church shifting and changing over time, you know, dress code and everything. Well, we moved towards an agreed-upon style of church, maintained unity that way, but what that did is that stifled the charismatic element. And I'm talking like pre-Pentecostal movement, okay? That stifled the, the charismatic. So charismatic, it's 
but based off of that word charisma, right? We're talking about things the Spirit does, the manifestations of grace. And what that does is when we, when we, when we kind of moved away from that is it, it quenched the ability and boxed the Spirit in because the Spirit blows as he sees fit, right? Jesus said that to a, to a um, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, John 3. Jesus talks about the Spirit blows where he sees fit. He distributes and he manifests his grace how he sees fit. So for this organism to flourish the church, we need to be people open and ready and on pursuit of the Spirit working in us for the common good. We can't box them in. We can't restrict the style. Number three is corruption. So throughout the centuries, dangerous doctrines and erroneous teaching cause suspicion of all things charismatic. And maybe you've been a part of churches that have been like that. We're suspicious. Is this God? Is this of God? And so people are afraid and fearful instead of learning a way in order to organize it. Paul talked about organization of, of the way the Spirit moved. He talked about if you had tongues, and permit no more than three tongues given. Like there was, there was order in the service. But we don't, we don't box and quench and grieve the Spirit and the fourth is sensationalism. Sensationism, I'll say it that way, that's easier. And this is the understanding that the, the manifestations of the Spirit ceased with the time of the apostles. And there are churches today that teach this. That when the apostles died off and the canon of scripture, the Bible was finally formed, everything that was revealed could be revealed. And yeah, we would agree with that. The Bible cannot be, nothing can be added unto this. But they believed that those gifts, especially the, the more miraculous ones, were there as a witness to the apostles' work. They were, where to, they were there to, to complement it, to, to prove that the gospel was spreading and moving. And so that, that, this idea of sensationism says that that was for that time, not for today. Now, nowhere in Scripture, apart from maybe one, do the authors suggest that the gifts are given for a limited time or purpose, but the only place that the sensationists used to try to prove this teaching is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and it's a really poor exegesis of the text. Really, really poor. And in fact, if the gifts and the manifestations of the Spirit were there to authenticate the Word and the spreading of the church, we need that now more than ever. There are more people alive today without Jesus than in the last 1,900 years. But when you look at the scripture and you look at the manifestations of the spirit that Paul talks about, these were things that God does to build up the body. It's not so much for an external witness. It's for maturing the, the church for the most part. So where do we go from here? As we strive to be a church and we try, strive to be a community, to be individuals who open themselves up to what God wants to do in and through us. Don't let others work in the church for you. Be someone that is open to what the Spirit wants to do in and through you. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So I want to read you a quote here. A 19th century German pastor by the name of Johann Blumhardt, he prayed this. He was alive from 18, 1808, I think it was, to 1880. And he prayed this. He says, I long for another outpouring of the Holy Spirit, another Pentecost. That must come if things are going to change in Christianity, for it simply cannot continue in such a wretched state. The gifts and the powers of the early time, oh, how I long for their return. 
And I believe the Savior is just waiting for us to ask for them. Now, he died in 1880, and 25 years later, the Pentecostal movement was born. Simon Ponsby uh, wrote in regards to this prayer, he said, Pentecostals asked for this, and they got it. So you have a gift. You have a manifestation of the Spirit. You have a way in which the Spirit uses you. The thing that the Spirit does, it's a spiritual thing. Use your gift to serve. Use your gift to serve. You are so important to the body. The body of Christ needs you. If ever there is a thought in your mind that you are not needed, that is a deception from hell. That is not a godly principle. That is not a biblical principle. That is not a biblical truth. We need you. Not even because we see gaps necessarily, but just to experience the greatest health that God has for us and for this church. It's for us all to serve. Maybe there are roads and strides and things that have yet to be accomplished we haven't even thought about because the body has yet to step up. We've, we've prayed a lot and we've talked about in this church, we've had prophetic words spoken over this church about a spirit of God doing something new. He's gonna, he's gonna rush in and do something new and through this region. Maybe he's waiting for us to step up and use our gifts. And he says, finally, I can flow freely. Finally. I've gifted you this way. I've given you this unique ability, this talent. Serve! When we start to rationalize, man, I I gotta do this, this, and this. Really, is that for God? And just so you know, I feel like Paul the Apostle a little bit. Like He talks about how bold he is when he writes his letters, but when he comes in person, he's a little bit more gracious. Like one-on-one, I'm gonna be like super kind with you and gentle. But on the platform, I get a little bit extra bold. Like we start to justify our comfortable Christianity. We start to justify our comfortable life. We say, I can't do that. I got this, this, and this. Then you're not too busy for the church. You're too busy for what God wants to do in it through you. And you you are causing the church to suffer. And we don't even know it. Isn't that sad? Do you know when you get so used, and those of you who are older, you will know this, do you know when you get so used to a part of your body not functioning the way it is, you have a hard time remembering what it was like before that? So I can go back to my shoulder issue. This shoulder pulls forward a little bit. When I pull it back where it should be, I'm like, that feels odd to me because I've been so used to being crippled. We're crippled, we're suffering, we don't even know it. What if, what if every single one of us said, I can do something? I can serve, put me in coach. You say, well, maybe I don't, I don't know what I can do. What can I do? I don't know what my gifts are. Let me give you a couple things, okay? Number one is you can just start serving. Join a team. Find a gap. Fill it. Maybe there isn't a gap. Okay, when you look at something, you say, well, they got enough people. Wrong. Wrong. They have enough. They're set. Wrong. You're wrong. You're lying to yourself. There's never enough. There's always room for more. Always room for more. Join a team. Let me give you some of the teams here or some of the opportunities. Media, camera, sound, worship. 
facilities team, photo photography team, prayer group, life group facilitator, life group home host, online host, greeter, usher, kids check-in, kids hall monitor, kids teacher, kids helper, nursery worker, visitation team. We can think of more. Art club. What is your thing? Let's throw it on the list. Let's add to it. I don't know my gift. What are you good at? Number two, what are you good at? What comes easy to you? Do, do that. Jesus said this, number three, Matthew chapter seven, he says, if you though, who are, though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Ask. Ask. Jesus, how can I serve? can I help? And let me, let me tell you is it can be small and don't feel like, man, that's so insignificant because the rotor, rotary cuff muscle in your shoulder is small and seems insignificant until it's not functioning. We need you. And I think that what is going to mark this church, Parkway Church, coming out of this lockdown and where God is leading us is we are going to be a spirit-filled church not the way we look at it in the past, but we're gonna see spiritual things. We're gonna see things of the Spirit. We're gonna see what happens when the Spirit of God moves in, in a community of people. Pneumaticos, manifestations of grace. We'll use all the buzzwords if we need to. How do we know we are spirit-filled individuals? How do we know the Spirit is working in and through us as an individual and as a community? Are we using the gifts that are given us? to build up and bless the body. That's one of many. That's the one we'll talk about today. So let me leave you with this, and then I'm going to pray us out. Is the place to meet God is where you are at, not where you want to be. So don't wait until you've arrived at a certain ability or talent before you start. You may not be as good tickling the ivories, but it doesn't mean you can't set up the ivories. Start where you're at, not where you want to be. And then I want to read you what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1, and then I'm going to pray. He says, follow the way of love. Because when you, when you work in the spirit and when you use your gifts, it's love. It's love in action. It's loving. He says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the spirit. Pneumaticos, eagerly desire spiritual things. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, I'm, I'm grateful, Lord, for your presence here today. And we honor you and we bless you, God, for showing up in a tangible way. We know you're always here. But Lord, may, maybe we were just primed and ready. Maybe we had a little bit extra expectation. We had the prayer group, God. We had people praying for this service before the service even began. God, thank you that you're here. Lord, thank you for your word, that we can learn what it means to be believers and be a community and follow after you. We can learn what it means to be apprentices of Jesus, but help us not just to sit, clap hands and shout and say, hooray, that's good. Help us apply it. Holy Spirit, we open up ourselves to you. We open up ourselves, our heart, our being, every, every part of us to just how you want to use this body you want to flow through this church. And I pray that you would encourage, you challenge, convict, but encourage God, every single person within the sound of my voice, in-house or online, 
to use what God has given them to be a blessing to others. Because we will not experience the greatest health that you have for this church, for this local expression of the body of Christ, until all of us who call on the name of Jesus and call this home will step up and start serving. God, we bless you. We thank you for choosing to use people. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you work in and through our lives. We bless your name. Bless your name, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'll say this, and then we'll close. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual things. Amen? This Wednesday, day of prayer and fasting, July 7th, praying for healing for Mark, Carrie, for Ruby, and all of you who put up your hand. Everyone's got a kidney-related sickness, disease issue. We're praying and believing for healing. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.